ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 231. Alright, I got a lot of shit to say today. Actually, I don't really. I don't <laughs> I just like to announce, make you feel like this is an important episode. Well, it is important because we got Brandon on the show. I'm going to be talking to him later on. And uh, we've played a bunch of Brandon tracks on the show. Uh, he makes awesome music and his collabs with SJ Bravo are excellent. And uh, we're also going to do artists on artists uh, this episode. And today we have Nina, who uh, we actually recorded this in front of Dundas Video. When uh, Radio Wolf does his DJ set It is called Dundas Video, right? I keep forgetting I always keep forgetting to go, too Anyways, look, so we got that coming up And it's gonna be a good show So look, let's get this thing started with some cool music We got a track here from the Goondock Saint And we'll do a little shout-out to my awesome PayPals There's Brandon Morin, Ross Bruce, Steve Coulter, Jersey, Upgrade Ray Jimpy, Timothy Warwick, Digital Dreams, Jimmy Groon, The Rosconian, Russell Nyes, James Shropshire. Is it Shropshire or Shropshire? Shropshire? Shropshire. Shropshire. And Mr. Rob Dyson. And uh, you can support the show like these awesome people by going to beyondsynth.com and clicking on the donate button. Now, let us listen to this awesome track from the Goondock Saint. This is Le Chevalier Noir.
And that was Le Chevalier Noir by the Goondock Saint from the album A Thin Red Line. And that is a really cool song. Uh, it was brought to you uh, by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters, the Pattersons, I call them, and the king of the Pattersons. Well, there's three kings, actually. There's Robert D. Bishop, Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. You guys are absolutely incredible people. And look, here's the deal. This year is pissing me off. All right, I went into this year with the hope that I was going to finish up all the outstanding Beyond Synth videos I had to edit and then start working on some creative projects. Maybe start putting work into Circuit and Breaker again or writing some short films or doing some music videos. And I really felt that vibe going into 2020 and I even had conversations with people and we all had that vibe. 2020 is going to be the year that we push our projects forward and uh, do new and exciting things. And this fucking year is just being a pain in the fucking ass ass, man. I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'm sick of it now. I'm fed up, alright? Literally, it's been fucking bad news since the fucking January 1st. And so here's the deal. Beyond Synth has a new catchphrase, and I'm changing the format of the show slightly in a few weeks. Because if this year is going to prevent me from doing the things I wanted to do, then I'm just going to put all my effort into amping up Beyond Synth to the max, alright? No matter what's going on in the world and people flying around and stabbing each other for toilet paper and shit like that, it's always sunny here on Beyond Synth. All right. So starting in about three weeks time, I am going to be shortening the guest interviews and having more guests per show. I remember I I tweeted out a few weeks ago. I asked people who they'd like to see on the show. I took their advice and I've reached out to a whole bunch of artists and we are going to talk to so many more people now this year uh, than we ever have before. That's the new fucking plan because here's Andy's new catchphrase. 2020, fuck you. Fuck this stupid fucking year, all right? Fuck it. Holy shit. I know, I'm uh, being a little hysterical here. But the point is that we are going to all do this together, all right? Beyond Synth is your safe space. It is your safe haven. It's always sunny here on Beyond Synth. All right. So today we got Brandon on the show. We're going to do a little artist on artist with Nina. And and then in a few weeks time, we're just going to start putting out more guest interviews per episode. And that's basically the bottom line. All right. So let's listen to some more music. This is a cool track from Eli Raybon's album. It's called Pluto's First Pop Star Outro because there's a track called Pluto's First Pop Star. And I just really like this track. It just has a cool vibe. It's kind of more cinematic. And it is meant like as, as sort of the outro to the track, but I really dig it. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Jacob Wick with the 4488, City Hunter with the 42, and in the 2666 Club, Lucas Ceballos and Hugh Hefner. And this is Eli Raybon with Pluto's first pop star, Outro.
And that was Eli Raybon with the track Pluto's First Pop Star Outro. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Mr. Clint Dowling, Anthony, Alex Seligson, A Star Apart, and Restless Nights. So if you have some ideas for guests you want me to have on the show, uh, let me know. You can tweet at me and I'll uh, I'll reach out to them. I know some of you are just like, oh, you should fucking have, and then they list like really famous people. Like, <laughs> you know, hey, look, I can try, but uh, let's be realistic here. But uh, I do welcome your suggestions. I, I've decided that we are going to make Beyond Synth uh, the maximum. All right. We're going to take it to the max so that you have something fun to listen to and you can uh, you can take your cares away. I don't think that's an expression, but uh, whatever. And, you know, the, the way that this year just keeps on loading things on, I should point out right now that they are still doing construction upstairs and... I don't even care anymore. So if you, you're going to hear hammering in the background, that's the deal, all right? That's just the way it's going to be. I'm done uh, fighting the elements now. We're just going to charge through them. You know, there's like a storm going on, and I am putting on my raincoat, and I'm saying, fuck you, storm, and I'm just going to go out there. I don't know, this metaphor doesn't really work, because <laughs> I'm... Yes. <laughs> Because I will not be going outside at all. <laughs> I think I'm going to be uh, treating my apartment like a fucking bunker. But um, anyway, look, the point is that I hope you guys are all having a lovely day. Uh, I know I am. Can you tell? <laughs> I do have the rough cut ready for the next four for Beyond Synth uh, Outland videos, although it probably still will be like a month or more before they're released because I have to do subtitles and uh, color correction and all that stuff, but uh, they will be out and uh, there's going to be that too, man. So there'll be lots of little fun things for you guys to look at. And that's pretty much my story about that. So look, let's listen to this awesome track. This is by Alternet. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, in the $25 Club, there's Honey beard uh we just saw them play last week that was good along with uh, user and melodica and exile and it was pretty goofy at the end because sort of like everybody left and so we were just sort of uh, like silly dancing in front of kyle while he did his uh, set <laughs> it was pretty funny i think i got some uh, silly pictures anyways what was i gonna say oh yeah so it's brought to you by uh my awesome patrons uh in the 25 dollar club so Honeybeard, i mentioned they're good guys he also gave me a gift bag with a hat and uh, some shirts, so that was good. And of course, there's Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, Pattern Shift, and Kempson. All right, so let's listen to this awesome track. This is Alternate with Upload.
And that was Upload by Alternet. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Mr. Blake Peterson, Gregorio Franco, and Martin Larby. You guys are amazing, amazing people. And if you would like to support Beyond Synth like these awesome people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. So look, let's go uh, to this little thing I recorded with Nina. Oh, oh no, never mind. I got to play a Nina song, don't I? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot how this show works. Uh, that's okay, man. That's okay. Hey, you know what's fun? They uh, they rewrote the history of Doctor Who. You know, it's getting really sad being a nerd in the year 2020. <laughs> you know, now they've literally, like, somehow screwed up every single big science fiction franchise. You know, once upon a time, nerds, because they were socially awkward or ostracized or whatever, took solace in escaping into these fantasy worlds that had these sort of rich histories that were built upon over decades, you know, with Star Wars and Star Trek and, you know, Doctor Who and stuff where there's a lore, okay? In the past, like, three or four years, they... Whoever they are have, have just been on a mission to literally fuck up every single franchise. And now the only ones left are Lord of the Rings. And I see no reason why they won't fuck that one up too. They did it to everything. I'm a nerd. I love the lore of these uh, these science fiction franchises and these fantasy franchises and stuff because that's what makes them interesting. What makes Lord of the Rings interesting is because it's like it's built on this sort of rich history, right? And now there's just this thing where they're not only taking these franchises forward, but now they're taking their dumb ideas and making it like it's part of the history the whole time. And so that's what they literally just did to Doctor Who in the finale. They've rewritten it. So now the Doctor is actually not a Time Lord. Uh, He's actually some immortal being from some other dimension who is a little girl who they experimented on and so essentially now they're basically establishing that actually the whole time the doctor was some eternal little girl from like some other dimension and like that's just that's the story now and it's like well that doesn't even make sense like it's very disrespectful to fans who actually pay attention that's the hard part because that's what nerds did nerds are pedantic right it's all about paying attention to those details and really thinking about this stuff these franchises stayed alive because of those nerds and then these companies come along they see how they can make money Uh, and exploit the fan base. But then in the past few years, they have this new business model where they take a franchise that's popular because it has a fan base and then systematically, like, insult the fan base with the products they create. It is bizarre. It's so bizarre. Like, if you said right now, like, hey, Andy, I want you to direct a My Little Pony movie. Well, I wouldn't come in there and go, okay, look, hold on. I know nothing about My Little Pony here. I'm just going to go to Wikipedia. Okay, My Little Pony, uh, Friendship is Magic. The show revolves around the adventures and daily life of the unicorn pony Twilight Sparkle, voiced by Tara Strong and her baby dragon assistant, Spike. Okay, so what if I came along and, and I said, Hey guys, guess what? You My Little Pony fans, we're coming out with a new you know, live-action series, and it takes place right after the events of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And then you get all these My Little Pony fans going like, Oh yeah, that sounds great, that sounds awesome. And 
And you're like, yeah. So in episode one, uh, Twilight Sparkle is dead. And it turns out that uh, she was really evil and corrupt and she stole all the magic from the kingdom. And then uh, the evil consumed her and she died. So now the show, uh, the main character of the show is a guy called Dexter who's a half-human cyborg who has to travel back in time because it turns out that all ponies are inherently corrupt by a darkness and they all have to be killed. Isn't that great? And you just be like, what? What? I mean, Twilight Sparkle isn't a piece of shit fucking evil magic thief? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this show's about, like, friendship and love and stuff. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's about this now. It's about a time-traveling cyborg that kills ponies. And you're like... Well, this isn't fucking My Little Pony. And then I'm like, yeah, well, you're a fucking racist. And like, and that's literally what's happened to Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. And it's fucking infuriating, okay? I would never have that much disrespect for other people's fandom, all right? I might not care about My Little Pony in the slightest, but if you told me you were a fan of it, I wouldn't disrespect your love for the thing you like, okay? And that's what they're doing right now, and it pisses me off. So let's listen to this track. <laughs> Uh, we're going to listen to this track uh, Well, the, by Nina, all right? Because we're going to talk to Nina. So let's listen to this one. I think I played this one on the show before, but it is a good song, and I enjoyed it, and it's got a fun video. It's called Automatic Call by Nina.
And that was Nina with the track Automatic Call. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, with the 2049, it's Ashley Keegan. Hey, maybe I'll see you next week. Uh, I think she's visiting Canada, unless that's a thing that we don't do anymore. We'll find out. And then there's Andy's Laugh with the 20, and Rachel Buchelman with the 1985, and Murat with the 1984. Thank you for supporting the show, by the way. Let's go and do our little artists on artists with Nina. All right, I think this is working. I hope it's not uh, blown out here because I can't hear the sound. So look, I'm standing outside of Dundas Video right now with Nina, who's visiting Toronto. Hello, everyone. We're going to do our Artists on Artists segment today, but we're going to do it uh, live. So we're experiencing some snow. I know, it's a little bit scary, but also beautiful. And it's crazy because it wasn't snowing when I got here, so this is all new. Yeah. It is. I think it's like minus three degrees or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty chilly outside. But we're all doing it for you guys, so you can hear. So, we're doing artists on artists today. So, this is when I ask a, uh, a synthwave artist to talk about a synthwave artist that they like and tell me, uh, tell me something to play. So, I'm here with Nina, and Nina's going to tell me her pick. My pick for today is Parallels and Radio Wolf, because I've been on tour with them twice, and they're absolutely amazing. Holly is such a beautiful performer and she sounds like the record life and Radio Wolf is super multi-talented he plays amazing guitar sounds and very unique and so I'm gonna pick Runaway Girl by both of them yeah collaborative act Parallels and Radio Wolf do you want to say like goodbye or something? goodbye (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much for for all your support and my next album is gonna be out hopefully March April time so I hope you guys really dig it. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit more upbeat and um, a little bit more cinematic. And yeah, I can't wait for you to hear it. And thanks for the support. <laughs> All right, let's go back inside and have a drink. Yeah, totally. Let's have a whiskey or two or three. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, and that was "Runaway Girl" by Radio Wolf, featuring Parallels, and that was, of course, Nina's pick for artists on artists because it's fun when artists、uh, talk about how much they like other people. It's all about solidarity. And did I tell you that it's always sunny on Beyond Synth? Because it is. I know maybe I'm in like rant mode today, but look, the bottom line is that song was brought to you by my awesome patrons in the fifteen dollar club. There's Six Mil, Hampus ML, Kenjuru, and Chatterack. And hell, let's throw in Mads Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyallane. So I'd like to remind you that if you have any artists you want me to have on the show, feel free to message me. I mean, it still takes me time. To edit these shows, and so I actually just reached out to God, how many people did I reach out to? I feel like I reached out to like twenty, twenty-five people, and、uh, we're going to be doing these new episodes where、uh, we do two guests a show, and that should be fun. They're going to be nice and packed, like a sandwich. All right, that's the bottom line. So look, let's listen to this song, and then we'll go chat with Brandon. So this one is. Called Mayday, and it's by Ozimov, and it's brought to you、uh, by my awesome patrons in the ten dollar club. There's Fraser Davidson, Slade, Watch Clark, Neverman, Joshua Winter, Pump Action Foreskin, Dalton Bell, and Cat Temper, and this is Ozimov with Mayday. <laughs>
that was Mayday by Azimov. And that was a cool song, man. I'm trying to go for a whole bunch of different vibes today because Brandon has the, you know, like the synth pop, bouncy 80s kind of stuff down. So uh, bouncy 80s, is that a thing? Do you like bouncy 80s? (laughs) I feel like that's probably a euphemism for, I mean, what what would that be a euphemism for? (laughs) Uh, anyway, look, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, Albion Algorithm, Retro Serenade, Gary Heather, Knight of Ducks, Andrew Benson, Sarah Buchelman, and The Patch Bay. So look, you guys are all awesome people. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. We're going to have a lot more fun shows coming up. Uh, but in the meantime, let's now chat with Brandon. All right. Well, we're here today, or at least I'm here, with Brandon, a.k.a. Luke Jackson. How's it going, man? All good, man. All good. You? <laughs> yeah? Well, for the audience who doesn't know, I've just been having a week where so much dumb shit has happened. I've had to cancel interviews I had scheduled because they've started to renovate my upstairs. Like, I mean, I live in an apartment, then upstairs the landlords are renovating uh, the upstairs, and they decided... Right on the day I needed to record was the day they started fucking jackhammering tiles. <laughs> it was ludicrous. I'm like, I can't record. Like, it was just too much. Yeah. And then we had to leave for the weekend, and then I'm at my childhood home where I set up my office in my old bedroom, which is the one room in the house that doesn't have a heater. <laughs> it's fucking negative, like, 25 today. It's freezing. Uh, the space heater I plugged in this morning broke. And so I have to plug in this one from the 70s that smells like it's on fire. And uh, that's how I'm doing. Yeah, if you if you go quiet towards the end of this and I'm not hearing anything from me, then we, we all know what's happened. I also like the idea that the episode still gets released anyways. <laughs> like, who edited it and put that out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure that out. You've, you've got the family. Guys, they, they can sort that out, yeah. In memoriam. Well, I mean, I guess Marco did edit his show, sort of. Look, he'd figure out, if you tragically passed away, you know, he cares about you enough to learn how to uh, stitch that together, surely. Now, I'm fairly certain when I pass away, that's just the last episode. <laughs> I don't know. If, I wonder if someone would take it from me. It's interesting, though. I mean, I mean, but steals the name. Obviously, people can host shows all they want. But... Or just, just kind of imitate your voice and just wait and see if anyone notices, basically. <laughs> That would be amazing. Can you imagine? Just fucking sample my laugh from like early episodes and then all I do is just laugh in response yeah. to anything. If you intersperse that between like segments of dialogue, there's a strong chance that no one's going to know. <laughs> no one notices when I don't put the show out. So I feel like sometimes I overestimate. Oh, no, no. It's not true, man. No, it is. It is. <laughs> anyway, look. We're here today with Brandon, so why don't you explain why you've uh, gone with the name Brandon? Oh, this is this is a long story. Have we got time for this? Nope. <laughs> Today's a very special 10-minute episode of Beyond Synth. So, so basically, you know how people have first names, right? And people have last names. And some people have a middle name. Yeah. <laughs> well... Well, I went with my middle name. So you are Luke Brandon Jackson? I am. That's interesting to have the sort of the middle name and the last name have the same syllables. Oh, well, the, the O-N thing. Well, because it's like Brandon Jackson. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes like when there's like a flow to a name. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. You know where it's like, I'm fucking Chester Windermere McGarthful or whatever. What? <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> 
I am fucking horrible with coming up with fake names on the spot. What the hell was that? I think my last name I came up with there was McGarthigal, and then I trailed off. Write that down if you ever if you ever write a book. That's, that's what you're using. That's a lead character right there. <laughs> fucking <laughs> McGarthigal. Fucking McGarthigal. Oh, Jesus Christ. Did, now, did you make music before? Yeah. Because I know you sort of popped in around, what, like 2016-ish? Is that correct? Yeah, 2016 was the first EP. I think it was August when I put that out. But yeah, I've, I've made music for quite a long time, like since I was like 14 or something. Uh, and I'm 26. I had to think about my age then. I'm 26 now. So however long, however long that is, yeah. <laughs> I'm 15 now. Yeah, so. do, the, do the, someone do the math. But the 2016 thing, it was I just kind of decided that I wanted to take a step into this whole synth, whatever it is, and yeah, j- uh, release the first EP, and then people liked it. So fast forward four years, 2020, and I'm still somehow still doing it. How did you discover the scene, man? I remember hearing the um, track from Kung Fury and seeing the film. You know, the one that Mitch did, but the Hoff did the vocal version for it. True Survivor. Yeah. And it was. I heard that one. I was like, wow, this is super 80s. And then didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't realize that was the whole thing that was going on in terms of a music genre now. And then I stumbled upon New Retro Wave, as I think most people do. And I found so many great artists on there. And I was like, this is cool, this. And I was like, I've, I've always kind of wanted to do this but never really I thought it was kind of a silly idea to make a track that you're really leaning on the cheesiness of like the 80s sometimes and that I was like you know no one no one really wants that but then it, apparently people do and I realised that there's a whole thing online you know the whole scene growing or had grown a lot already by that point and I, I was like I want, I want to kind of give this a go well you make uh, cool music man there's lots of uh, fun stuff in there we're going to listen to some you've done some great collaborations with SJ Bravo that are uh, all good. I don't think there's a there's a dud in there. Although I wouldn't tell an artist if there were. He might not. He might not hear this. <laughs> so if you want to be honest about it and tell me that they're not great and that he's not done a great job, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> Yeah, just like I really love your collaborations with SJ Bravo, but I really love the instrumental versions. If you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, those are the, those are the strongest versions. Yeah, the ones that specifically have the vocals removed. Yeah, <laughs> he had to use a special filter to remove them. It's like just the karaoke version. Yeah, it's just like especially difficult as well because basically, like he he just did something and he's like, I don't want these removing, so they had to go to extreme lengths to get those vocals out. <laughs> well, look. How about we uh, we get started here and we listen to some tracks and then we will we'll keep talking. So speaking of when you started making tunes as Brandon in 2016, you had an album called Neon Haze. Yeah, and this is a fun little track. It's called Arcade by Brandon.
final round. And that was Arcade by Brandon. And I'm here right now with Brandon, Mr. Luke Brandon Jackson. And uh, and that was fun. Arcade's a fun track. That's my comment about it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that it was fun. That's kind of the idea. It's the thing I'm going for. You're a young gentleman. What is it that appealed to you about 80s stuff? I mean, it's obvious. I wasn't born in the 80s. I was born in 93. So, obviously, there's not the nostalgia for it that a lot of these guys have where they, you know, grew up throughout that decade. But I don't know, I just, I feel like I just grew up with a lot of stuff from the 80s. Like, you know, movies and stuff. It was always, like, stuff from five, ten years ago that I was watching throughout the 90s and stuff. Even being so young and not really knowing musically what the music was, you know, I just kind of loved, I loved, like, Michael Jackson and that kind of stuff. So that's probably why kind of weirdly just kind of gravitated towards things from 80s pop culture and music from the 80s. I think that since there used to be less stuff in general, just in media and music, there's a point in time where we were always sort of exposed to the past. Yeah. And now I just feel like there's just so much stuff like in the now that people aren't as aware like because i've got kids the only way they seem to be aware of the past is like memes yeah you know like there's all these memes of like making fun of movies and stuff from like a long time ago but they don't really have i don't know like you know the way like tv channels just use show old movies yeah i totally know what you mean man because like it's probably the internet thing isn't it like the fact that it is what it is now is because you know, when I was young, same for you, I'm, I'm guessing, you, you know, if you had a copy of a movie on VHS, you know, you, you'd watch that over and over again and you couldn't just kind of, there's no Netflix, there's no streaming or anything, you couldn't just kind of get a movie super quick and watch it whenever. So you, you'd you watch something more times if you owned it. Things kind of hung around for longer, if that makes sense. You weren't like, oh, what's the next thing? What's, yeah, and forgetting about the last thing. I mean, maybe, maybe it's kind of like looking at the, the 90s and the 80s through like rose-tinted glasses, but... It just feels like that. It feels like back then you you spent more time with something and kind of appreciated that thing more. I think the I think the Lion King movie came out the year I was born. I guess a lot of kids do with with films when they're young, but I must have watched that film literally like for the next ten years. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a thing in nineties culture for so long. It still is, but yet it doesn't seem like you get much of that now with things in general. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old and maybe just getting cynical i don't know no you're right i mean things definitely used to last longer yeah that's huge because i used to listen to albums like you say with the lion king there was a point where i just had like two tapes like music tapes that were mine yeah and i listened to them just on a loop you know over and over again and now you know i listen to a song like once and go yep all right even if it's a song i like you know especially with synthwave because i get music sent to me like you know i listen to some tracks and i and i actively acknowledge that this is a good song 
And then I just put it in a pile of like, oh, I'll play that on the show sometime. And then I start listening to more stuff. Yeah. And we don't really sit with things. And I think that's why people in my generation have this nostalgia for certain video games and stuff. Because I wasn't rich. So it's like... The reason why I always talk about Goldeneye and Perfect Dark is because that was the game I owned that year. Yeah. You know, like, that, it was the game I played for probably two and a half years because I couldn't afford to buy another game. Totally. It's funny you mentioned the Goldeneye thing, actually. I, I had I had the PS1 and I had a couple of Bond games on there. Do you remember the, um, they did, if I'm not wrong, they did Tomorrow Never Dies or The World Is Not Enough? They had a PS1 release where they doubled the games to get, like, bundled them together. Those and a few of the games were the only games I had for the PS1 for so long so I probably played through those like five times and then we got into the PS2 stage and I got Nightfire do you remember Nightfire which was essentially like Goldeneye but the updated version we actually played Nightfire because it had a decent multiplayer I think you could turn bots on and stuff yeah yeah there was a game before Nightfire called Agent Underfire I think yeah vaguely recall that Okay, and that was the one where they made a Bond game with a generic Bond, so it wasn't Pierce Brosnan or anybody, it was just like they just made a generic one. Yeah. But there was one level of the multiplayer that was so much fun, because you could turn gravity off, and one of the gadgets was a grappling hook. Yeah. With gravity off and grappling hooks on, you could actually zoom around the level like (laughs) Spider-Man. To this day, I still think this level is actually a lot of fun. You can grapple... And once your grapple hits, you start flying straight towards where you grappled. Yeah. But you still have the ability to turn your character. Yeah. So you can grapple, be flying in one direction, but then turn around. So you're actually shooting behind you as you're flying towards your grapple point. And then while you're mid grapple, you can just turn to the left and then shoot a grapple a different way <laughs> and then change your trajectory. It was so much fun because you're just flying around the level and it, it was just this one little unique unique quirky thing about that game this one map and uh, i really enjoyed that and that's my story that, i can't believe i never played <laughs> that that sounds awesome that sounds like two mechanics that clearly weren't intended to work together and then this whole new mechanic came about in the game that sounds awesome yeah because it wasn't like a selling feature it was just sort of we just sort of accidentally discovered like oh why don't we turn this option off and this thing on and then it just turned out to be fun but it was like it was never advertised as like the fucking anti-gravity shooting game yeah yeah Uh, it sounds awesome we have these memories from these games because the same with nightfire is that i played that game for years with friends with cousins whoever but nowadays you you get like your Call of Duty is coming out every year and it just feels like you don't spend that time with something anymore but you know I don't, I don't know if that's true but it feels like that. No I think it is so I sort of envy those communities that really stick to one game like you know those people that like they still play Counter-Strike. Yeah. I wish I was doing that you know what I mean had a community that was around just one game that we've just been playing for like 20 years like yeah I actually I was gonna say this earlier but I love when you're like you said it's funny you brought up Goldeneye I'm like it's not funny it's it's, it's, it's just it's just a common occurrence yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to listen to this one. This song is fantastic. It's a collaboration you did with SJ Bravo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play all the collabs, so I'm going to alternate between vocal track and an instrumental track. Cool. Which is why I'm jumping forward to this. It's called She's on Fire. It's by Brandon featuring SJ Bravo, and it is awesome.
And that was She's on Fire by Brandon featuring S.J. Bravo. And I'm here right now with Brandon. How's it going, man? All right, man. You? Fantastic. How did you uh, end up uh, collaborating with S.J. Bravo? Sam contacted me back in 2016, which is a long time ago. It was around the time when he recorded his track with Sunglasses Kid. He'd recorded Runaway. And I'm going to be super honest. I, at the time, didn't know who Sunglasses Kid was. And now, like... I'm obsessed with the guy. So, so Ed, like, I'm super glad that I discovered him through Sam. But basically, he'd done the track Runaway, and he, he introduced himself to me and said, like, I've done this track with Sunglasses Kid. I really like your stuff for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> he's like, I'd love to work with you if you're up for it. And it's one of those things where you, you get messages from people sometimes, and maybe they want to collaborate, or maybe they want to do something with your tracks or whatever. And, and there's that thing of, oh, is this guy, is this girl going to be good? Or am I going to have to really awkwardly say, like, oh, I'm really sorry, but not for me, Ty, you know, I'm, I'm too busy or whatever. But I heard tracks that Sam had done for his own EP, um, his Waterline EP, and clearly the guy is awesome. Um, if he's listening, though, I retract that. But, um, <laughs> so I heard his stuff and I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, I can kind of imagine him being on maybe something that I'm doing, even though the, the stuff he sent me as a reference, aside from uh, Runaway, wasn't in the 80s vibe. His voice still had like you know that sound and I was like this could be really cool so I sent him a demo of which was essentially Cheese on Fire in its early stages the the backing track and he sent me that back in like September October of, of 2016 and just the demo alone I was like this is this is amazing I like fell in love with a track that I'd made but didn't really care for that much at the time <laughs> you know he brought what he brought to it and it became something else I was like this is this is really cool and then from then on that went well and that collaboration kind of we, we both realised like clearly it's working and then he's like have you got any other stuff so the other two tracks So Alive and Real To Me came about just through kind of throwing ideas back and forth and then before we knew it we had these three collaborations together which obviously ended up on Retrochrome and I could not be like more happy with how those tracks turned out they turned out far better obviously they've got the vocals but just the tracks themselves kind of evolved because of the fact that we were working together if those would have just been instrumental releases for a start the the tracks themselves just wouldn't have been you know what they are so kind of a dream collaboration that yeah he's a good guy he's a talented guy yeah, no, he's awesome. Like, I have a show featuring SJ Bravo. I forget the circumstance. I think he was interviewing me for something. Like, he was writing a paper or something. Yeah. And then he had already done that song with Sunglasses Kid, which um, was really good. It's a great song. And so I was like, okay. So then I decided just to record our conversation, and I think I released it as an episode. Yeah, I heard it. It felt weird at the time, because it's like, it's like, oh, I want to interview you for a thing. I'm like, maybe I should interview you instead, because like, you're a really talented guy. And it, I don't know if I offered any important insight to his paper, but uh, no, he's fantastic. His voice is great. Uh, all the collabs you guys have done are fantastic. Dude, I need to win the lottery because I have all these ideas for music videos and I've got a great one for She's on Fire and I wish I had money because I'd fucking just make it. <laughs> Do you know what? Sam, Sam said to me when we were in the studio at the time, also, by the way, we, we, that's when we got chatting about you at the time and he was like, you've got to talk to Andy, man. And this was before he'd done the thing with you. He'd done the interview with you or whatever. But 
he we were in the studio as well and he and he said this track needs a music video and i was like sure yeah <laughs> have we got have, have you got any money for this music video because because <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> afford to do a music video i'd love to do a music video but i just can't afford to do one and when you have a concept in your head that you kind of want to pull off you immediately start thinking this is going to be expensive to do even if you try to do that kind of if you've tried to pull something off on a budget you still think if i, if I want this to look professional enough yeah i'm going to need some money to do that with if it were possible then hell yeah i'd totally do it sometimes i don't like to talk about them because i don't like people stealing my idea but i have these concepts for all sorts of the songs i really like and i'm like oh i got this concept that's so fun and stupid my idea is always never what the artist is thinking because sometimes i know like i'll talk to somebody and they view their own music as like oh this is like a science fiction space song or whatever and when i listen to it i'm picturing just some completely different thing but with the with she's on fire the idea i had it shows this lady and And at first, it's like kind of cheesy 80s, like she's hot, you know, she's like washing a car or whatever, and some guy's like fawning over her. But then it, the video keeps cutting, and every time it cuts, she's like doing a different profession, but the guy is always giving the same nod to camera, like, ooh, you know, like he's so proud of his lady kind of thing. At first, it starts out like it's sort of a sex exploitative kind of like 80s video. Yeah. But then as it goes on, it shows this lady in like every single possible profession. But the guy is always happy that that's his lady. So it <laughs> it functions on these different levels. So like at first, she's being like a model. And the next shot, she's like a teacher. Yeah. And then, you know, you, it shows her in front of the classroom teaching. But every time it cuts to the guy, he's always making the exact same face where it like kind of <laughs> zooms into his face. And he sort of nods with his hand on his chin like yeah like he loves what he sees one of the shots would be she's literally like nursing a baby while like talking on the phone and like cuts back to him like this next shot she's like an archaeologist next shot she's like holding beakers in like a laboratory and it always cuts back to the same guy just <laughs> nodding and, and it's just the video would just be like a collage of that yeah yeah the point is it's like it does everything nowadays with everybody being so sensitive about certain topics and issues and like gender roles being one of them yeah I always love the idea of playing with the idea of starting something that would make someone who's sensitive about these sorts of issues upset <laughs> going like oh there's some other fucking sex thing but then as you watch the video it actually is about female empowerment yeah but you know that if you did that they'd stop the video like i don't know 30 seconds in and immediately complain and then not watch the rest of the video oh yeah <laughs> because people have short attention spans as well so because a lot of times with a lot of like sort of progressive uh ideas and stuff in in the modern world like i'm for them and like that's my mindset too but I find I get annoyed with all the people who are complaining all the time hmm. and so I like the idea of being on someone's side but trolling them at the same time I don't know why that makes me happy because <laughs> I do that all the time in conversation with people where like we're both on the same page and so I will purposefully say like an ironic statement that is clearly offensive just to see what they'll do knowing <laughs> full well that we both don't believe it yeah, yeah. just because I just want to see if it'll like make them upset And so I like the idea of doing that with the video and like, because the song is so awesome. And obviously like we'd cast a chick who's like super hot. I guess important. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh man, that sentence alone is going to like upset someone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I'm winking right now. You can't see me, but I'm doing it. But look, 
Let's listen to more music, all right? I want to listen to, uh, there was a single you released called California Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you're, you're not happy with that one, or what? No, no, it's good. I like that one. <laughs> Your reaction was like, oh, oh okay. I, I, don't, I don't love my own music or anything, but, you know, it's, it's all right. It's fine. It's listenable. All right, man. Well, let's listen to it. This is uh, California Summer by Brandon.
All right, and that was Brandon with the track California Summer. And I am here right now with Brandon, a.k.a. Luke Jackson. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a cool track. I know, I just like the general sound of your music. It's, like, upbeat and fun. Uh, the production value is solid, so it makes me happy. I always feel like it's a struggle to explain this, but it shouldn't be. Because the vibe of the music is supposed to be fun and lighthearted. But at the same time, I'm not poking fun at anything. It's more of a love layer to it. So, like... I want the production to sound as good as it can, and I kind of want to treat it like professionally. But it is supposed to be fun. If you're not listening to it with a with a smile, as corny as that sounds, or if you're not feeling the vibe of it, like ah, oh, yeah, I get, I get this. This feels nostalgic and everything. You know, that that's the point. You know, it never gets well. Hopefully, it never gets too serious. Did you say you made music before? Like, what were you making? I'm always making music. The Brandon thing is like a, a side project. It is a fun side project. So like day to day, I'm doing music for work and stuff but this was like an outlet for like the whole 80s thing i'd never classed it as part of my my working life whatever so so to speak but i'm still doing it four years on it's kind of it's still a, a hobby essentially this this stuff but it's grown to a point that i never thought it would grow to and i'm kind of investing more in it and spending more time on it and things like that which is great which is awesome because it's so much fun but yeah i'm kind of been doing music for like 12 years or something now in various forms what do you mean you do music for work <laughs> so <laughs> so there's a few things i do like a, a weird mix of stuff none of it none of it's very rock and roll honestly mm. but i do um production music for media like library music that is written and people can license it for use in whatever production and stuff um so i do a lot of production music like that where it's original composed material but in various genres and whatnot that's kind of like 50 percent of the time i'm doing that and doing the odd like composing to uh, custom music for a brief or something that i've been maybe commissioned for and then the other half of my time is spent making karaoke backing tracks and ringtones because believe it or not there's a strong market for that do you do this on behalf of yourself or do you work for a company so this stuff the backing tracks and the ringtones and that there's kind of a team of us and i work for someone else we all do it remotely we work we work from our own studios and stuff but we um have this little team and that's kind of how that stuff works and the production music and and the composing stuff is the commissions that i do on a personal basis with whoever contacts me or or whatever and then the production music is done for music libraries and publishers and companies where you'll you'll either write an album or you'll contribute tracks to an album in a certain genre so essentially i'm always working for someone it's all freelance you could say but there's always someone kind of telling me what to do which which i like how did they know to get in touch with you in the first place it's kind of come through friends or friends of friends put you forward for something or you just obviously there's the whole like online push as well they did the website thing years ago and try and promote yourself but i have more of a hard time promoting myself as myself and the music i do through that than i do with brandon because with brandon you're throwing your music out there onto things like streaming stores and download stores and the idea is you want people to just listen to this music for fun but the all the other music i write has some other purpose and no one really listens to it for for just the fun of listening to it it sounds kind of sad when i put it like that (laughs) (laughs) no i get it i get it so then do you actually work like you wake up in the morning and go like it's nine to five making music or do you just sort of work on random hours so if i was sensible enough then yeah i'd do that but (laughs) so yeah so sometimes i'm working at stupid hours at night like you know i'll still be working on something at 12 midnight and 
one in the morning. But I do try. I do try and keep it relatively within sensible hours because yeah, it's tiring if you don't. Obviously. Yeah. You sound like a sensible guy. Uh, I try. <laughs> Not always. Look, I want to listen to more music. We're going to uh, jump back and listen to another one of those uh, collaborations you did with SJ Bravo, because they're all great. This one's called Real to Me by Brandon, featuring SJ Bravo.
that was Brandon with the track Real to Me featuring S.J. Bravo. And I'm here today with Brandon talking about stuff. Do you know something? I, this is shameful. I only found out this recently. Don't know if you recognize like where my accent and where I'm from, obviously. See if you could compare me to another synthwave act <laughs> it's in terms of the accent okay in terms of your accent yeah you've got the same accent as McNabb it's not as strong but if right Andy if I start, start doing this Andy right and what to do, do with okay boys, well that's is, uh, okay that's McNabb that right there yeah yeah <laughs> since he also has like the cadence uh, where his voice is a little bit deeper the thing with him is he has fun with his accent like I think he knows it he definitely exaggerates it doesn't it yeah because as far as I'm aware from listening to your previous stuff right he's he's lived in Yorkshire for less time than I have Right, and he sounds like he's ten times stronger than I am. Yeah, no, he sounds like a fucking coal miner or something. Like when he does the, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was because I was listening back, I was trying to grab clips from old episodes. I think it was in the first one where he was all excited to tell us about that uh, chocolate weight loss chocolate called AIDS, and when he <laughs> interrupts the conversation to like, it's, it's just like, yeah, man, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> and every time I hear that, that's I'm not joking. Is it? Is a thing a product in the edit, and it will. It would. Uh, it would AIDS. No, that's it. That's uh, what he sounds like. It's awesome. It's like, yeah, man. It's so funny. Like just the way he talks is awesome. But yeah, because you you sound more sensible. Like I feel like <laughs> when, you, when you hear Adam talk, I just picture him being covered in like coal dust and stuff, and he's like hitting a hat that's like. <laughs> Where, like, fucking dust is, like, <laughs> flying off it. and I've just been down, Pete. Uh, yeah, it's it's, exactly. It's, it's down there. Probably the reason why I have this image is there was this... Uh, there was an episode of Doctor Who in the 80s where it took place in, like, a coal mining town. And I think they filmed it at... You know, like, when there's, like, historical sites that were... Yeah. You have actors walking around for, like, kids in school. They can go and see how things used to be. Uh, and yeah. that's, like, how everybody talked. Like, we're going down, pit, You know, and, like... So, <laughs> anytime characters, at least in Doctor Who, had regional voices it was always to like accentuate like that they were a character yeah i'm not 100 percent um sure of how the british utilize their stereotypes of the different regions but definitely the yorkshire accent to me is like working class accent and i feel like anytime i've watched it in like older british shows that's what that voice is meant to imply like you know these are the working people and that sort of thing that makes total sense actually because there, there's always been the i think probably the same with like any country but there's always like um the north south divide basically that you would call it so mm. you know that probably stems from, again like you said from through throughout history where the north of the UK was like far less connected to the south in terms of transport and stuff there's like the Midlands in the UK and it's kind of again yeah it's literally the middle of the country and there's kind of a bit of a southernness there but also kind of the northern thing and the kind of like mine but really watered down and yeah it's the same thing it's just kind of a nondescript accent yeah <laughs> We all just walk around, we just look like mannequins, and we just have these fucking uh, nondescript accents. <laughs> Generic voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's what being Canadian's about. We're all Lego men. I don't know what this means. Look, I want li- <laughs> to listen to more music. This was one you did. It's called Rush. It's featuring some guy called Sam Hughes. Yeah, Sam's a friend of mine, a uh, guitarist, talented guy. So, yeah, this is our collaboration. Cool, man. Well, let's listen to it. This is Rush by Brandon featuring Sam Hughes.
And that was Brandon with the track Rush featuring Sam Hughes. And I'm here right now with Luke Brandon Jackson. And uh, so Sam Hughes is a guitarist friend of yours. Yeah, he's also, uh, he's a really talented guy. He's, um, I've got lots of cool friends that do really cool things. And then everything I do pales in comparison, sadly. But <laughs> Sam works, <laughs> Sam now works at Remedy Games in Finland. You know, the guys that did Max Payne. And yeah. Control and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he works there. He's in the audio department and he also does voiceover work. I have a friend who was working at Ubisoft in Montreal and I always thought that'd be so cool, you know, work at a AAA company, but um, I don't know. All the stories seem to imply that it wasn't very fun working there. There's a lot of like kind of mismanagement and stuff, you know, like I had no idea how many games they plan and then literally people will work on for like a year and then they'll just cancel it or they they don't like the direction it's going and you're just like, how can you be so disorganized as a company to even start putting man hours and like paying people to work on a thing that you're not even sure of as a concept? It's just weird to me. It's obviously the corporate thing, but they, they have so much money that they can throw money at something immediately. But then when they look at the books within a year's time and they're thinking, oh, this didn't make money or actually this isn't going to be successful, they just kind of strike it off immediately. But then, you know, like you said, there's, there's like a team of people that have invested so many hours over the course of a year or two years even. And then they're just like, well, what now? And it's like, oh, you, you, you go and work on this thing now instead. It's such a shame. Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating to hear because sometimes he'd be talking about working on a game that sounded cool and then they'd be just like, yeah, they're not doing it anymore. Like, all right, cool. And then they just shuffle you off to a different department, like he said. And I don't know, I feel like that would just really frustrate me. Do you ever watch those? Um, there's a channel on YouTube. I've recently discovered it called Gamers, but the A is like a V. There's the whole thing. <laughs> Gvummers! <laughs> yeah. They, they basically do documentaries <laughs> about old games, franchises that eventually died out and things like that. Really cool. And they did one recently about a game. I've forgotten the name of the game, but it was it was a title that was announced during the launch of the PlayStation 3. Oh, Agent? No, it wasn't Agent, but I remember Agent. Agent was Rockstar, right? Yeah. No, this was, um, it was like two guys. I think they were criminals or something. And I think it was like something like Bulletproof or something. But basically, yeah, they this game was like touted as being like the graphics for the time and everything was great it was like the the best of what they thought the PS3 was going to be able to offer and all this stuff and it looked really awesome looked kind of like a Grand Theft Auto-esque thing open world-ish and then like a year later they showed something else from it and apparently it was London Studios apparently that were working on it they did the VR game that's just been released the like gangster type thing but apparently this game just disappeared and then it was found out that they just can't the project after like three years of development right they, they basically spent so much money on it and they, they were scared that they were going to make any money back so kind of quit while they well they weren't ahead but you know <laughs> they, they just kind of cancelled it it's such a shame the other day I was on Twitter, I just started putting down my ideas because I've got some video games I want to exist that don't. And it really bugs me that it's been so many years and like, why isn't there uh, this type of game or that type of game? It almost feels like a lot of the AAA companies are trying to, it's like they're playing things too safe now. You know, it's just like, well, you know, if we do another Call of Duty, like we'll get this many sales or whatever. And Yeah. Because I really want an open world James Bond espionage type game. I'd be down for that. And I don't know know why that doesn't exist like literally it's like now if you do open world it's got to be either post-apocalyptic or fantasy 
but it's just like where is just a game that takes place in you know the modern world or slightly in the past like Grand Theft Auto style where it just exists in a real world with cities and forests and stuff but the focus of the game is action and spy stuff so like you know there's action like there's gunfights and things and then spy stuff it's the year 2020 like why every game goes open world and everyone complains like oh another open world game everything's going open world and there's never been a fucking spy action espionage open world game and i don't know why that doesn't exist uh but i want it i'd so be down for that as well i don't know why he it doesn't it's, it's yeah it's the fear of like releasing a new ip i remember thinking that watchdogs was kind of gonna be like that and then that kind of just well the first one <laughs> watchdogs was fine <laughs> My problem was the protagonist. I don't like the too cool for school main character who talks with a fucking gruff voice. <laughs> that is like an Ubisoft thing. They're like a French company, and I always just imagine them in the boardroom, you know, with like the guy who's like saying the direction the game should be going, and it's just some dude who's like, okay, but it has to be cool, you know, like like Matrix. Like the guy's gonna have a cape, and the cape's gonna have like a symbol on it, yeah. and he's a hacker, you know, and it's just like. And he's got to talk like John Wick, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 game I did pick up and the franchise I've loved ever since was the Uncharted series. Oh yeah, no, Uncharted's fantastic. Yeah, and and that at the time it doesn't seem like it now because we've had what like four or five of those. But at the time that was that was a risk in like 2007. You know when it was kind of different to a lot of the other games that were out there, and it was like a Indiana Jones style like adventure thing with climbing and that. But obviously they had like the shooting mechanics as well and the combat. But yeah, like I'm super glad that that was successful and then that they were able to continue it and improve upon it and stuff because I love that franchise. They kind of took time with the sequels. You know, it wasn't like obviously it couldn't become a yearly thing. Well, like, it could have been, but thankfully it wasn't. I think Sony. I don't like. I'm not like a fanboy for any company, but I do believe they're games division is really good like they take risks of all of my favorite or i think the best like exclusive uh, ips on like modern consoles it's pretty much all playstation they've made some really awesome games and that's the only reason why if ever i say i i prefer playing playstation over xbox it's not a fanboy thing it's just you know the god of war games are strong the uncharted franchise is fantastic uh you know last of us was great i'm playing through the last of us again actually yeah because the part two is coming out yeah. and like i just feel like they've got companies that try some interesting things and i think they allow the the teams enough time to polish them in a way that's yeah. it's the same as nintendo you know what i mean like they release nice polished products yeah and i think that's like really important even if there's like a delay in there as long as like the final thing comes out and it's not you know as much as i love skyrim you know whenever bethesda releases a new game like it's notorious that it just is pretty much like broken for like the first few months yeah let's leave a nice long pause there yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just left the room and came back. But look, before we get uh, too carried away here, how about we listen to uh, another track? This is the last of your sort of collabs with SJ Bravo as of the time of us recording this. Mm -hmm. uh, another great song from Brandon. This is So Alive featuring SJ Bravo. <laughs>
And that was So Alive by Brandon, featuring SJ Bravo. And I'm here with Brandon right now, Mr. Luke Jackson. We're just talking about video games. We are. Indeed. I think I'm going to pick up, I guess by the time this airs, I may have already got it, is that game Dreams on the PlayStation? Oh, yeah. Apparently that's been in development since the beginning of the PlayStation 4's release. It looks really neat. Like, even if I don't do any of the building... Because like, apparently you can just kind of make anything you want, like even any type of game. I don't know if I have the time to learn tools, but I definitely think it might be a fun game to play, even if you just load other people's creations. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing with me. I think the, the fear is like to invest a lot of time into a game, you know, it's not always easy. And that kind of could put people off. But yeah, it seems like there's this community of people like making really cool stuff. And if you could have just as much fun you know like you said using what people have already created and just exploring that you're still playing the game you're just not creating your own content but yeah it sounds awesome i imagine if i was like you know 14 again and this game came out it'd be really fun to just go home and sink like 10 hours into it like learning the tools and actually build something but now it's like if i only have a good like 20 minutes to half hour a day to actually like play a game i just don't think i have the capability to actually learn something that complicated at this point in time yeah exactly same but yeah it, it, it sounds like a great game though what's on your uh, docket at the moment are you playing anything are you yeah it's, well actually I, I said i was playing the last of us i've just finished it again uh, i finished it really quick and it's that thing i was saying that i don't have time to like you know play these games a lot of stuff but then you get one of these games that's such a great game and somehow you just make time for it even if you lose your life okay that's another thing so i think a lot of the things i play i'm just not compelled by because you're absolutely right it's the same with tv as well there's so many great shows people tell me to watch yeah and then i'll start watching them and i'm like meh and then all of a sudden a show will come out and i just binge it in like you know two days and i'm like well obviously there was something special about that show that made me do that and the same with games i think for me now it's like one game a year Mm. will strike me in that way where i just feel like i need to just work my way through this game and complete it and when that doesn't happen i just find myself going back and playing skyrim or playing tetris on my switch like that's pretty much my default two things i'll go to if i remember last from from a previous episode you said you didn't finish red dead right Uh, no that's fucking marco the dummy he's okay so I got that for him for his Christmas present like two years ago or something. And he is just savoring that game. (laughs) So he's getting every side mission. He's doing everything but playing through the story yeah. and it's so frustrating for me because that ending was so good yeah that i'm just like hurry up and get to the fucking ending so we can talk about how sad it was yeah. and that's what pisses me off because every time i talk to him it's been like fucking two years or it hasn't been two years i think it's been one but that's still a long time <laughs> he's still not there yet yeah i i can't do that because i get so into a story and that was it with me with that game I was like, I want I want to know what happens at the end. I want to get to the end. And I don't want to be spoiled by anything online. Mm. So I finished the story relatively quick within like a few weeks or something. But since that, I have just wasted so much time in that game. Just doing stupid, pointless, random stuff. And doing all the side stuff as well. But sit down on a night and just ride around on a horse for an hour. And then wonder what on earth I'm doing with my life. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. First of all, that game had a gigantic story section. Like... Even if you tried to power through it, and I was really surprised as I was playing through the story mode where it was like, 
wait, there's another chapter? Like, but this game's going somewhere. Like, it kept on feeling like the game was going to be done, and then all of a sudden you're on, like, some fucking deserted island, and like, what? And then there's just yeah. this whole section where you're not even in the same map, and, yeah. and the prologue was pretty long, too, or the, sorry, the epilogue. Yeah, that was kind of what I expected. In the first game, the epilogue was, like, two missions, you know, like, it wasn't crazy. It was just after John got blown away, then your son, I think, does two missions to find the old man and then shoot him. And then this yeah. game, you play this whole fucking farm simulator for <laughs> like for a while. It was like, oh, wow. Like It's mad. You get to that end and you think, oh, like, I'm just going to maybe do build the house or something. And then it just keeps going and you're like, oh, I guess I'm playing another shortened version of this game with John. What I loved the most about it was that at first... I was annoyed that I had to play as that other guy because I loved John so much from the first game. And then I was like, oh, in this game, I got to play as this other asshole. And then fucking by the end of the game, when he's riding on the horse and it's playing that song, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just I then I was annoyed to play with John. I think like myself and almost every other person had the same view, except what you said. You, you start the game. You're like, who's this guy? And that just shows how great the story is by the fact that you, you get to the end of, of his and then you get to John again and you're like, well, I, I want I want Arthur back. Yeah, because <laughs> Arthur was great because at first I was like, oh, he's like this cheesy cowboy character, like his voice and his attitude. As the story went, I just fucking just loved his character. And, I, and then uh, after I beat the game, I, I kept on going back to YouTube and just listening to the song because, you know, there's that song that plays like when yeah. he's riding the horse. Yeah. What the fuck's it called again? That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. He did, he did the, like the cinematic where you basically, he, you just watched him ride the horse from point A to point B and you just kind of sat there with like goosebumps just almost crying like yeah. what, what's going on <laughs> it was so good like that ending is so good and that's what pissed me off because Marco is like fucking he's been delaying this by enjoying every single aspect of the side part of the game which hopefully means that that ending is going to hit him really hard and I hope it does hopefully yeah because now he spent so much time I mean I guess there's no right or wrong way to play a game you just, just enjoy it but if you take too long you've kind of maybe forgotten some of the stuff that happened in the beginning whereas if you kind of piss it out but do it relatively quickly you're gonna remember the whole arc yeah no it's a good point because you can't play it in like 10 minute chunks or you forget who the characters are because hmm. i'm getting old so like for me i just forget stuff but i fucking forget how to play the damn things that's the problem with me because <laughs> every game now right controllers have yeah. 50 buttons on them and the joysticks click down and those are buttons and the touchpad's a button and everything's a button yeah i bought the division 2 like whenever that came out i played a little bit of that game but did not get far because Every time I loaded the game back up, there was like 50 different game mechanics that you had to figure out how to work in conjunction with one another. Weapon upgrades and things like that. And I was like, this is just not fun anymore. This yeah. is just too <laughs> complicated to wrap my head around. So yeah, sadly, I stopped playing that one. Yeah, that happens to me all the time. That's why I like to go back and play these sort of throwback. I and mean, that's the, the nice thing about retro games. Although I'm trying to make this year be more about playing new stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm always talking about playing retro games and I, I need to get with the future. I have this thing with my nostalgia where I'm always trying to recreate the way I felt. Never works though, does it? No. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I've tried that one too. I think uh, for me, nostalgia is my drug. And, you know, whenever people talk about, you know, when they get addicted to heroin or whatever, <laughs> pretty much the whole experience is trying to chase that high you got the first time you got high. 
And for the rest of your life, hmm. every time you do that drug, all you want is to feel the way you felt the first time and you never will. And nostalgia is the same thing. It's like, maybe if I play this game that I played when I was in public school, I'll feel that sense of sort of freedom and uh, no, not a care in the world, you know, I'll feel that again and I can't. The older you get and the more you know, especially now in the stuff we have with gaming and technology, we're too spoiled. So you, you know too much to enjoy these things. Whereas when you played them when you were a kid, you didn't really know the stuff you know. And you just played the game and just had fun. Yeah. And I think that's it. You just, we just, we're too spoiled now. There's too much going on too in the periphery as well, where anytime you're doing anything, it's not so much that you're doing a thing so much as you're missing the million things you're not doing. Yeah. That's why... I'm always excited when a game actually sucks me in because then for that period of time, I'm like, hey, I'm in the zone. Like, I'm actually in the zone. I, I, uh, I'm I, just focusing on this one fucking thing and it's awesome. But most of the time, I can't get in the zone and I'm always just thinking about 50 other things at the same time and then I, yeah. You know, I'm making a point now of going to watch movies at the cinema f- more often because when you, wa- when you go to watch a film, you, you sat in there, you can't have your phone out, obviously. And you, you sit for two hours or however long they are, and you just watch the film. But if I'm at home watching a film, I pick my phone up like every 15 minutes, and I hate the fact that I do it, but I, I do it because I can. I just wish I didn't hate the theater so much. Like, I appreciate what you're saying, but I get so annoyed by other people. Uh, I, get that, like, I get that. It really makes me mad. I tend to sometimes go at weird times if I can. I mean, it's great when you're with an audience and you go watch something like, I don't know, a Marvel film or something and everyone, and you go when it releases and everyone's super hyped and, and cheering and stuff. I mean, that's great. But then I enjoy going when I know there's barely going to be anyone else in there as well because then you know you're not going to get the distraction yeah it sounds like a really kind of miserable way to go watch a film without anyone else being there but I totally get I hate when people you know loud eaters people on their phones people that laugh really loud like obnoxiously loud at something that's not even funny there's like jokes in a film that are really funny and then a joke comes that's like the worst joke of the film and someone's like ah and you just like I just missed 10 lines of dialogue because yeah. you're just cackling in the background <laughs> yeah it gets me angry man well look how about we listen to one more song and then we'll fucking wrap this up you just came out with a new single yeah when this airs it might have been out for a few weeks but uh, it's good stuff it's called Steel and uh, it's by Brandon
right, and that was Brandon with the track Steel. That's a cool song. I dig it. I'm here with Brandon right now, Mr. Luke Jackson. By the way, random tangent, but that track that you played, it was released via Steel City Collective, and I told Johnny I was coming on here, Johnny of Steel City Collective, and he just said, with no context, tell him I love responding to his late-night McDonald's tweets. And then just said, that's all I want to add. <laughs> I haven't done one of those for a while. I actually quit McDonald's because it, uh, it, it makes me hungover. I thought it was supposed to cure a hungover. They've got some formula where I believe they're able to inject more salt into a thing than you think is there. <laughs> and I get dehydrated by eating McDonald's. I'd come back from uh, an evening at Tilt or something and I had a few drinks and I, there's this McDonald's down the road where I usually call my Uber to come pick me up. And so I go to this McDonald's and then I usually feel bad that I'm just wasting their Wi-Fi, so I buy food, and then I uh, live stream myself eating it. <laughs> I've, I've, I've already figured out what's wrong, though, there, because you've just, you've just explained that story to me, right? And the thing you said before you go to McDonald's is that you have a few drinks. What you've clearly not realized is it's not the McDonald's that makes you feel hungover. Okay, so to be fair, what I'm talking about is the times where I've just ordered McDonald's. <laughs> Where I've just ordered McDonald's for, like, the family. Right. Uh, it wasn't on a drinking night. Two separate occasions. Right. Where we went and just got fucking food. It was a normal night. I wasn't drinking. And both times I woke up feeling like shit. Now, mind you, I ate, like, a ton of food. And then everything my kids didn't eat, I fucking ate their food, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think... Maybe the answer yeah. is somewhere so, here. So essentially, you just ate too much. Yeah. I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, whatever. Fuck it. I'm blaming it on McDonald's. I don't think there's any problem with not eating McDonald's. I mean, it is technically poison. Oh, uh, you've just you've just lost your sponsorship from McDonald's, by the way. You know that <laughs> sponsorship that you secured. Like, I wish multi million dollars. I want a multi million dollar sponsorship, man. I don't care what it's for. Well, you're not going to get it from McDonald's now, are you? I actually want to be tested just to see how low I would actually go to get a sponsorship. <laughs> like, what would I? Except I want like some weird dude to show up with like horns and he's on fire and he's like, so you accept any sponsorship, huh? And like, I just want to see if I would actually do it because I always joke that I would. But I mean, put it this way. If there's evil corporations out there and they offer you money, it's like someone's got to take their money. You know what I mean? Like, if they already have the money, it might as well go to a good person, right? Yeah, but <laughs> but what if... Well, are you are you a good person though? Depending on why you the reason why you've taken their money, because if you take their money and then everyone's gonna hate you for whatever reason you've agreed to to take the money, mm. is it worth it? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. We've answered that question. <laughs> Stupid. Is that what they ask you in the boardroom? Like, yeah. <laughs> are you sure you want this? And then it's just a pause and. Yes. <laughs> Give me the fucking money. Yeah. Well, look, man, listen, it was fun to, to chat with you. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Retrochrome 2 is coming sometime, maybe. When's that coming? Uh, there's no exact date yet, but we're, we're doing some, like, final recordings next month. The artwork's done. I know most of the music is, like, done, bar maybe 
just the odd tweak depending on how March goes and um, yeah then we could be ready so I'm super excited about it finally getting it out there hopefully people like it well I'm excited for it man because Retro Chrome is pretty kick-ass oh cheers man I've got some friends who don't know anything about the synthwave scene and occasionally I will like suggest music to them because I know when they like the sort of the strong kind of vocal 80s pop stuff yeah and uh, like She's on Fire is one that I can always just play to people and be like you're gonna fucking love this and I put that one on and it's got uh, the power and uh, it's great yeah well that's Sam that's SJ Bravo that that, you know I'm gonna give him the credit for that because yeah yeah fuck him Away. <laughs> no uh, anyway, by the way, you know, you know the money that I said I'd give you if you said really nice things about Retrochrome. Um, when do you want that? <laughs> my, uh, you can just wire that directly to my bank account. It's a. Uh, I wonder if I just said my actual number. Get people to just send money directly to my bank. That's a real test. Or hack me. Yeah. yeah. How many? How many super super generous listeners have you got? Quite a few, to be honest. You have a, yeah, you have actually. <laughs> I, I'm a. Oh, I don't want to be that guy. I, I, I'm a patron, Andy, but I'm in the lower tier. And there's a there's a few people that really, really are generous from what I've seen. It's really great because sometimes people will message me and be like, oh, you know, your, your Patreon's doing very well. And I say, thank you. But the reason why I don't celebrate or whatever is because it fluctuates. And the thing about having really generous patrons is it's amazing that there's people out there who are so kind. Mm. Um, but also at some point they usually stop. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then when they do, I feel it, right? Yeah. So when I look at some of the more successful Patreons, I was always using like Red Letter Media as an example, just because they, I, though I think they've hidden their, um, what they make now, but before they did, you know, they were making like 30 grand a month or something, which yeah. is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But what the nice thing is, if you make that much money, it doesn't really matter when people stop and start, right? Because you won't even feel it. It's like, they could probably lose like, you know, a hundred patrons in a day and like, it would be like, oh, you know, we, we lost a grand of our 30 grand, you know? It's like, it doesn't sound like that big yeah. of a deal. For me, it's like exactly, every time yeah. someone stops, I do feel it and that's why I'm I'm always sort of yeah. hesitant to be super excited about what's going on, but I'm in, obviously insanely grateful for it, but... I've never thought about it like that before, but it makes complete sense. Guys, it's, it works better for you if people kind of agree to a smaller amount, knowing that they're not going to miss that money, really, every month. Ultimately, you want thousands of patrons who all give you a dollar. You know what I mean? So, like, they mm. don't miss the money, but it all adds up. Sort of like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. No, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he means, guys. That's not what he means. <laughs> well, no, the difference is there's a product at the end of this, right? And exactly, yeah, yeah. Anyway. But look, that's we're talking about me again. We're This is the show about Brandon. <laughs> so what does Brandon want to say? You got some goodbye words? Yeah, we've kept this show pretty clean. What, do you want to talk about porn or I'm, something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Just there's the potential for these to get out of hand and get you kind of derail. And all right, so look before you go, listen, man. When you're fucking, you know, you got this chick and her fucking legs are up, and you're like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, man. Oh god, here we go. What? Oh, ruined it. Ruined it. (laughs) So close to the end. (laughs) I I don't even know what the hell I just did there. You have a chick and her legs up, and you go blah. I don't know what being a filthy guy is like. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm a very classy guy, you understand. So I, uh, I don't know about. Yeah, these you things. keep telling yourself that. Mm. You keep telling yourself. I keep telling everybody else that. 
<laughs> well, look, man, it was uh, it was nice to meet you and talk to you. Yeah, I'm glad we finally did it. It feels like we've tried to do this for a while, and we've got it done. So people can look forward to Retrochrome 2 coming out some point. Where? What are your links? Where can people find Brandon? The handle for the socials is pretty streamlined now. It's Brandon1980s. And yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the modern social networking sites and then the Bandcamp page which I'm not going to read out the full URL but yeah well it's not like fucking like Bandcamp slash R2U65 no Bandcamp's pretty normal right the web address yeah actually yeah it's, it's like brandon980s.bandcamp.com but you know the, the HTTP colon slash slash <laughs> thing that's my favorite part yeah. of any web address yeah yeah <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, (laughs) you have a lovely day over there and uh, keep making awesome music. Thank you, man. Thank you for letting me be on the show. Much appreciated. All right. Take care, dude. Yeah. Cheers, man. and that was my conversation with Brandon that was a lot of fun that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 club there's Power Loader Power Loader <laughs> Power Loader Renton Brax Barry 7 and fucking Slunks also Matthew Lister Tristan Waits Skunk Raider Colin Bennett Joe Ozone Will Lowe and Polly Digital alright I gotta go because I have to start listening to a lot of music <laughs> That's the one thing. I've scheduled a lot of interviews over the March break, and I need to prepare for those interviews, which means I now have to listen to, like, 50 albums. <laughs> so I'm off to go listen to some music and make sure that uh, I do my job properly for you, my friends. It's always sunny here at Beyond Synth, and I hope you'll tune in next time and bask in the sunlight with me. What is happening? I feel like I'm starting a cult. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time...